FPL managers, welcome to the 11th episode of the FPL Optimized podcast. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I'm Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sirtop, the data scientist. As always, data or grass, or data and grass, that's the question here in this podcast. I'm happy to be back after a few weeks of holidays. And uh, yeah, while Sirtop was busy interviewing different guests, I was on the beach tinkering about my game week one team. So there will be enough to discuss again today, I'm sure. First of all, a big thanks again to everyone listening to our podcast. We were pleasantly surprised last week when we found out that we're in the top 10 in the UK podcast ranking in the category fantasy sports, right, Sirtop? Yes, that's right. It was surprising, really, because yeah. I mean, there are lots of fantasy sport podcasts, not only yeah, FPL even. I, I I have seen a tweet from uh, Baker, uh, one of the hosts of the Above Average FPL podcast, and they made it to the top 100 in sports category. So not only fantasy sports, right. which is a really okay. big achievement. So yeah. And I wasn't really aware that Apple podcasts show rankings like this. Then I spent mm. a lot some time checking our stats, you know, how we look. And I, I also found a country where we are number one in fantasy sports podcast. It's Iceland. Ah. We have 22 downloads from Iceland, which makes us the number one fantasy sports podcast there. So, yeah, thanks a lot to our listeners. It made us genuinely happy. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Thank you, everyone in Iceland, all 22 of you. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we definitely appreciate it, and uh, we'll be planning a tour to Iceland soon. Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my jokes aside, this is uh, pretty amazing, really, because uh, yeah, we only just started with the podcast a couple of months ago, and uh, yeah, Sirtop and I, we both work in analytics. Uh, he's a data scientist. I'm in marketing. And yeah, analytics can sometimes be perceived maybe as a bit boring as a topic. But when we can talk about it in a sports context, it always makes it a lot more interesting, we find, for people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we speak, uh, or I speak for the both of us, when, uh, when I say that we're really happy that we can combine our passion for sports and for football in particular uh, with our knowledge uh, on, ana on analytics uh, like, like we are doing here. So thanks again for listening to our podcast. It really motivates us to keep us going. Right, Sirtop? Yeah, certainly. Well, at the end of the day, uh, the audience keeps these kind of podcasts and channels alive, right? We were well, testing yeah. the water when we started the podcast. But as long as there is interest and we have enough time, we can keep <laughs> going. So, well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in week after week. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's move to the interesting stuff for today. Uh, as I mentioned, you were interviewing Jan and uh, Jamie and Simon uh, the last two weeks. And contrary to what you thought, I haven't <laughs> been sitting still, even though I was sitting on the beach for most of the time. Uh, no, no, I was actually thinking a lot about FPL. Well, a lot. Well, daily. <laughs> uh, I read a book about it, believe it or not. It's called FPL Obsessed, written by uh, Matt Whelan. He's on Twitter as well, under FPL underscore Obsessed. Uh, I've been listening to a few podcasts, including the ones you did. And uh, yeah, I've been working a bit on my game week one drafts, as I'm sure all of us are doing. And uh, out of all of that, there were a few topics and questions that came to my mind. And I've been saving those to throw here today at you in this podcast. So I hope you're ready for it. 
Yeah, of course, I'm always ready. But wow, I'm surprised that you actually spent time thinking about FPL because, yeah, I was thinking you will have some quiet time at the beach. But I guess you are really FPL obsessed, right? You couldn't stay away <laughs> much. Wow, so, it's okay. just a fun activity to do, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and for the listeners, just to let you know what else is planned for today's episode, uh, we will definitely cover some of the latest transfer information. Uh, Serta will also talk about what the model is projecting to be the optimized team for game week one, and we'll also take a few of the Twitter questions we received. Okay, so here are a few things I took out of the, the book I read and also uh, from some of the podcasts as well. And I combine those in a few, yeah, let's say conclusions or also questions to, to get your view on a certain. Mm-hmm. So the first one up is the goalkeeper dilemma, as I call it. And I also see a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. And I think the traditional belief always was for managers uh, to, to mostly go with the cheap 4, 4.5 million uh, goalkeeper as it's not a position where a lot of points can be gained or, you know, let's say scored in general. And it also was often not seen as really worth upgrading. Uh, Matt Whelan in his book, he talks about it as well. And I also know that some of the the well-known managers, like, for example, the FPL general, he also usually advocates to go for the cheap option. However, I think also you mentioned it in a previous episode, Sir Top. I think this season, uh, well, already last season, your Solvo was uh, often proposing to go for a premium goalkeeper. And, and this season, with some of the lower prices, uh, I hear more and more managers, including, again, the same FPL general, uh, to consider going for a premium one. So... As everyone is working on their game week one drafts, I thought this could be a useful point to talk uh, a bit about. Uh, Just to understand what the data and analytics uh, are currently telling us about the goalkeeper position. Okay, yeah, first of all, I'm really happy to hear that FPL General is also thinking about it because it makes me feel better. Uh, I have a few controversial ideas on this topic, so uh, hopefully people will find it okay. So FBN managers like drawing conclusions from past seasons, and Jamie mm-hmm. mentioned it in the last week's uh, episode too. So mm-hmm. when we look at the past data, it was optimal to have, uh, say, like Martinez two seasons ago when he had the amazing season and scored right. lots of points, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of going with a premium, you could have bought him and, well, use him for, like, constantly with a 4 yeah. million uh, bench goalkeeper. And then you can also get another, I don't know, like maybe a city defender instead. But so the problem with this is it's hard to find things that will repeat themselves. Like, for example, Martinez had a wonderful season, but then the following season he wasn't as good, right? Right. And Yeah, it's always a bit in hindsight. So it's quite difficult to now pick the one that will do well because you, you, you just don't know. Exactly. So... Well, mm. even this season, like we might notice that there's a cheap goalkeeper who keeps getting maybe clean sheets or maybe points from saves, but we really don't right. know when we are at the beginning of the season. And, well, models love premium goalkeepers because, I mean, statistically, big teams like Manchester City or Liverpool, they yeah. have the best defense, and so they have the best chance of keeping a clean sheet. And that's yeah. what we measure. We measure the probability of keeping a clean sheet. Yeah. And 
So when you are thinking about a premium goalkeeper like Ederson, like can you use that extra city spot for say another defender instead of Ederson? I mean, right. yes, but first minutes could be an issue because goalkeepers are very rarely rotated. We know that Pep will use Ederson in most games, unless right. there is yeah a cup game or something. Yep. And second, well, usually premium defenders are more expensive. Because right. like you you can think Ederson as a five point five city defender. In that case, I mean it changes yeah. the dynamics a little bit. Indeed. And well, model checks expected points of goalkeepers and defenders, and then finds the best way to allocate the fund. And mm-hmm. that's what it it is giving. Like currently, it's telling us to pick a premium goalkeeper. It was the case last season for the most part too. Okay. And one other thing that models also love having is two keepers having two keepers like around like 4.5 million keepers and rotate them yeah Uh, so that's an alternative but again we also talked about it a little bit in the last episode uh so there are usually two teams when you combine their fixtures i mean the best fixture fixture if you choose it uh, it gives you a really great combination and solver tends to find those like two keepers two playing goalkeepers and rotate yeah. them based on the fixture difficulty. I mean, that might be a little bit painful because your bench goalkeeper has a chance of having more points, which mm-hmm. some people find a little bit disturbing, that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also it's against the conventional mis- wisdom on this topic. As you said, it's usually like get a 4.5 million goalkeeper and just yeah. don't you know, think about it. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, models don't have the biases, you know, due to last season, you know, which players scored more. So they also don't have an understanding of, you know, keeping the third spot, spot open because that's mm-hmm. what I heard from people too. That's right. the reason for not buying a, a premium goalkeeper like Ederson or Ellison. But yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. So what are your thoughts about it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are some great points. And uh, I'm currently on Ederson. Which for me is actually the first time to have a premium goalkeeper in my in my team, mm-hmm. and yeah, there are a few reasons for it. Firstly, uh, I don't really like any of the 4.5 million ones this this year. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, a lot of people talk about Raya for Brentford, but yeah, I just think the team won't do that well this year. It's also you know it's the second year in the Premier League. I think what we often see, we also saw that with Sheffield in the past that they do quite well in the first season, and then the second season, yeah, they tend to struggle a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanchez for Brighton I had him last year and he didn't do too much for me then I see people talking about Meslier at, at Leeds Pickford at Everton but yeah I also don't really value those teams too much this season so yeah I struggle to find a reliable goalkeeper there to be honest and I think regarding rotation it, it sounds good in theory as, as you also said but I think it's really difficult to get it correct in reality mm-hmm. and indeed it can always happen that, that your bench goals goalkeeper outscores your your starting one which mm-hmm. then of course yeah your in that case your rotation uh, <laughs> doesn't work <laughs> uh yeah and what i like about addison uh, you mentioned it and i was also mentioned in another podcast is that if you if you if you consider him as a defense uh, defender he's actually quite a, a cheap option to double up on the manchester the man city uh defense so in my case i'll definitely take cancello already and then with 5.5 million, you know, Ederson is cheaper than someone like Diaz or, or Laporte. And of course, yeah, Diaz or Laporte, they can score a goal, Ederson can't. But 
uh, taking it all into consideration, um, I think uh, yeah, I think for it's, it's a good price to to get a second uh, a, a second player out of the city defense. So that's a bit what I'm thinking at the moment. Uh, we shouldn't also forget, of course, the the five million bracket. Uh, we have Mendy there uh, from Chelsea as a being mm-hmm. a popular option. Uh, personally, I'm also not so sure about the strength of Chelsea this season. Uh, I think we saw them uh, losing quite badly in the friendly game, but of course, yeah, it's just a friendly game. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just there are some changes there, and also last year they didn't keep so many clean clean sheets towards the end of the season. So yeah. that's something that I still have in mind as well. I also really like, or I do really like Pope at, at Newcastle. I think Newcastle will do well. Uh, Pope is a great goalkeeper, but yeah, I'll probably just see how they start and I can, could always switch to him later. Yeah. And talking about that, talking about switching later, I think that's also is something that a lot of people are talking about, um, the possibility to wildcard a bit earlier this season. Uh, which then allows you potentially you know, to go for a few more differentials in, in your game week one team, uh, as you won't need to think so much long term this time compared to other seasons. Uh, is that something that's playing a role for you as well, Sertov? I'm not sure if I want differentials this early in the season. I usually mm-hmm. stick with the projected points as as much as possible during the season and hope that field will get a few wrong picks, uh, like some right. of the popular picks will be wrong. And if mm-hmm. my rank improves a lot in the first few weeks, then I don't need to take a higher risk player to my team. And so I can yeah. play my wildcard safely. But if it seems bleak, then I might consider yeah, differentials. That's how yeah. I usually approach to it. Because yeah. Yeah, we really don't know about... Even the nailed players may not play. So I don't want to take any risk early. Yeah. And regarding the early wildcard... So I have used my... First wildcard last season around game week eight. Okay. So from yeah. that perspective, the time between game week one and the wildcard will be roughly the same for me. Because, yeah. I mean, it's true that due to free transfers in game week 17 due to World Cup, it will yeah. be a unique year with four sprints, as uh, Prenil of the FBL Wire podcast puts it. Yeah. I won't go for an early wildcard, most probably. Yeah. What? Do you think about this? So are you planning to have an early wildcard then? To that will hopefully allow you to switch your goalkeeper. Uh, well, not not early, but at least well, it's 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 at least a more likely or not more likely, but it's at least more of an option, I would say, this season. Mm-hmm. And well, for sure, I think it's something that managers should already think about now because yeah, you shouldn't wait too long. Maybe like you know, like last year's trying to save it just before Christmas. In this case, it doesn't make sense because then you know it's the World Cup and you get unlimited transfers anyway. So yeah, um, yeah I think you need to keep that in mind. Don't wait with it for too long, but again, also maybe not do it too early because there's one thing I, I haven't heard many people mentioning it yet, but the the transfer market will actually still be open until the end of August. So that means that new players can still come in to the game, and that's mm-hmm. until game week five. So I think, in my opinion, game week six could be the earliest time to wildcard. If you do it before, like game week three or game week four, then yeah, you still miss some of the new players potentially. And I think last year, wasn't it Ronaldo and also Lukaku who came in quite late in the season? That's true, and, yeah. and at, at the end of the transfer window. So, you know, th- those things can still happen. So I think, yeah, you, you need to consider that. And 
I would say wait at least till game week six. But uh, yeah, let let's see what everyone will be doing. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see how the season unfolds. And uh, about this topic, I think you also had a poll about it on Twitter, right? So what 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 were some of the results on that? Sure. So it looks like eighteen percent of the people have no plans for wildcard, so they will okay. use it whenever it's needed. I think they are saving it for you know injuries, rotations, those kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And overwhelming sixty-seven percent says they will use it somewhere between game week six and nine, so around the midpoint. Right. Which which is pretty much aligns with my thinking. And eight yeah. percent says early wildcard between game week two and five. And finally five mm. percent says they will use it late between game week ten and sixteen. Yeah. Well, it's not very surprising, although I wasn't expecting this much of a difference. So it looks mm-hmm. like most people have the same idea. And I was also testing with some preliminary data I have. And, well, as far as I see, there's little difference between wildcarding in game week 7, 8, 9, 10 or 11. So yeah. the expected points doesn't change too much. So I was thinking maybe I can wait until 10th or 11th game week. So like okay. after the international break, if my team is good enough, if no one yeah. is injured, I can delay it for a few weeks more, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you know when the international break is by heart? Or not? Uh, yeah, it's game week nine, I think. Let me check. Oh, okay. Yeah. That could be a good one also to consider then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, another thing that came up in some of the pods was the no Salah option. And we can see that on Twitter as well and some of the uh, discussions there. Of course, without Salah, it enables you to spread some of the funds or to focus on other key assets like uh, KDB or Son. And for example, Andy Martin, he's also known as the <laughs> FPL tactician. He was talking about it. Uh, yeah, and Salah is, of course, the most expensive player in FPL, priced at 13 million. So, yeah, but, you know, he's priced uh, for a reason (laughs) at that that level. So, yeah, for me personally, I will have Salah in my team. um, But I do agree that other options can look tempting as well. For example, if you choose Diaz as as a third Liverpool option, then, yeah, you save 5 million compared to Salah. You know, he's he's 8 million, Salah is 13. Uh, So that's, that's money you can use somewhere else. Um, and and Salah's ownership at the moment is 57% from as of this morning. So yeah, that means that still as of today, 43% of the managers will go uh, without Salah, which is quite a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. How, how yeah, how, how do you look at it? Would you dare going without Salah, Sirtelp? And is there any of the optimal teams you see provided by the solver that don't include Salah? Yeah, I was thinking about it and I have written an iteration logic to my solver which picks a different premium combination in each step. That way you can see what are the top choices for the premium picks. Because, I mean, after all, FPL is all about, you know, choosing your premiums first and then try to find the remaining players, right? And, I mean, values change as the projections seem to be updating quite often these days with the new data coming coming from the friendlies and also from, you know, what managers are saying. So yeah. I have to run it again. But in that run, I have seen that Salah with Haaland, mm. that, that was optimal. So okay. no Salah plan was the seventh best choice among okay. you know different premium combinations, which gives yeah. 
seven points less than the optimal one so it is roughly 1.7 percent away from optimal i mean it okay. is not a huge amount so you can obviously spread the money around but yeah. to me i mean no salah is a very risky play because first of all his ownership is even though like there are 43 percent as you said people who mm-hmm. are going without salah like half of the players will have him yeah. and his projections are really good so so he can reward you greatly and well uh. no salah is very risky but if he blanks then you can get ahead of the field very quickly which yeah. i think what andy is hoping to achieve and if it happens i know andy martin will certainly let, let us know because he's <laughs> not with sharing this stuff but yeah i mean to me it's some unnecessary risk and also at the beginning of the season yeah yeah i mean i don't I don't wish them luck, no Salah people. I don't wish them luck, but I hope they are happy with their decision when the game yeah. deadline comes. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I guess part of the 43% could also be due to some of the teams still being on auto-pick. Yeah. And they might still have to make their adjustments. So, yeah, let's see. But, yeah, uh, it, is, it is definitely a possibility. It's, it's still a lot of money. And as we mentioned, you can also, you know, there are other great players to choose as well. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Another question. As we were talking anyway already about Liverpool, uh, assuming most of the FPL teams will feature three Liverpool players. So, yeah, managers are now wondering which three to pick. Uh, I think two, two of them seem to be the standout options, Trent and Salah. I think most people will will go with them, but for that third spot, you could go for different options. Uh, mm. I think yeah, Allison is viable at 5.5 million goalkeeper. He was the top scoring goalkeeper last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, in defense, you could go for Robbo, but also Van Dijk or Matip. And in midfield, yeah, there is Diaz, who is a popular pick. And in front, yeah, you can go for the new guy, uh, Darwin Nunez, or maybe even for Jota as well. He's also there, of course. So, yeah, for me, I made up my mind. I will go with Trent, Robo, and Salah, uh, which is the most expensive combination. But, yeah, I'm doing it because I think it will pay off. Um, yeah, and, and I was wondering for you, Sirtop, whether you already decided on it. And also, from an analytics point of view, of course, uh, what is the data telling you in terms of which three players from Liverpool to own? And and before yeah, before I hand over to you, one thing I think which which is interesting to way to look at it because of course kind of what I'm doing is looking at it in isolation and I'm thinking you know who are the three players who will score most points mm-hmm. and then I think you will end up with those three: Trent, Salah, and Robbo. But as I said, it's also, I think, the most expensive option. So, yeah, the other way to consider, of course, is to think more about in, in pairs or, you know, overall team composition. Like if you save some money on Salah or if you save some money on Robo, then uh, you could enable uh, to, to get better players from other teams. And like that could increase your total expected points. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to understand how your solver is, is dealing with this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. Even though we are trying to find three players that will score the most points, like from Liverpool, for example, it's not that straight. Yeah, as you say, you can save money on Salah and spend it elsewhere, for example. Um, So, 
what we do is we give model the, the the conditions that we need to choose at most three players from this team well from every team and then it tries to find the best combination of players so mm-hmm. if i sort by just the total expected points i think salah comes up on top and then from liverpool it's yeah alexander arnold and then yeah. luis diaz is the third i think okay and then comes robo um so from that perspective i mean if you are just looking at this you might think okay i will get salah alexander arnold and luis diaz and right. but that's not usually how it goes sometimes optimization actually can pick the fourth best player in this case for example robo yeah. and luis diaz has only 0.3 points in between so then the okay. point can be important too because i think diaz is more expensive at 8 million while the yeah. robertson is 7 million so it's just you are yeah. paying 1 million extra for 0.3 points more per game week so right. that might not be optimal in that case um okay yeah so darwin um not sure because it picking him makes it a little bit suboptimal so it gets actually even further from the optimals but mm. his we are not sure about his expected minutes as I see in the data. So maybe if right. you know that he will certainly play and he will play for 90 minutes, he could be a good, actually, you know, high-risk, high-reward player, I think. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think there were some doubts about him, but then, you know, in the last friendly, he scored four goals. Yeah. So now everybody is excited again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's true. the way it goes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for me, I mentioned it before. Last season, I went without Trent because I just thought I would I could save some budget there, but I really regretted that for the rest of the season. <laughs> I think you just need him uh, also to protect your rank because you know almost everyone has him, uh, and he's just a good player. So if he scores points and you don't have him, yeah, you're you're immediately behind. So I don't want to suffer uh, from that again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those were a few key things I wanted to cover based on my tinkering from the last couple of weeks, the goalkeeper dilemma and also the Liverpool assets. And yeah, by the way, you know what was quite funny about the different podcasts I listened to, including the two from you? Yeah, no, tell me. <laughs> well, I was listening to uh, the Planet FPL podcast and, and they did a great job uh, hosting different uh, FPL champions or let's say FPL top managers. They had one per episode and they had from last season, they had the winner, uh, Jamie Piggott, and also the number two, Suvanj Singh. And it turned out that both of them are, let's say, so-called grass managers. You know, They were not <laughs> relying so much on the data, but they were mostly relying on, on the eye tests. And well, they did say they were also looking at the data, but it was more to validate their ideas. So, you know, so far, Team Grass is still winning FPL, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, you know, I do believe the consensus is that in future, a more data-driven manager could win it. Uh, again, the FPL general hinted at it as well in one of the podcasts. He was in the Above Average podcast, which was also a really good one. And yeah, he said that he's following some of the data guys and even mentioned your name, sort of. So uh, yeah, he thinks it's uh, you know it's a trend that he can't ignore. So yeah, just coming back to why I thought it was funny because yeah, when I listened to your podcast with with Simon and Jamie, it was so different. As I know that yeah, you often don't watch 
any games at all. And Simon, or was it Jamie? I think he said he didn't either. Uh, so that's a completely different approach, just using the data and relying for 100% on it to pick your players without sometimes maybe even, you know, n not even knowing who those players are. <laughs> and yeah, maybe a bit exaggerating, but in a way it's true, uh, right? And and yeah, personally, I, I wouldn't have fun on that because for me, it's still really about the football. You know, I'm, I'm a football fan. So I, for me, it's really to watch it and, and based on that, make my decisions. But yeah, again, it's really interesting that that for some people it's it's analytics first, um, and and you know it's diff different way to approach the game. Yeah, I think it it is mostly because people are coming to FPL from different points. For example, yeah. for you, you were always interested in football, and you learned that there is this game about football. Mm. Why don't I play it? And right. for some others like me. Like I was doing yeah. analytics even before FPL, then I learned that oh there's this game. It yeah. actually after I read the rules, I noticed that oh it, this is very nice because it's a well-defined problem that I can use mm -hmm. analytics. So yeah. and Simon and Jamie did a great job explaining this, but I think FPL is a strategy game more than it's a football game. I mean, yes, right. its domain is football, that's true. And but you are picking players based on their fixtures. You are tracking their performance, and you are also mm -hmm. getting rewarded based on that. So yeah. it's all about predictions and finding the right combinations. Well, mm -hmm. it's a well-defined analytics problem, if you ask me. Like even for betting, like you are trying to find players who will score goals, and there are already bet rates available. I mean, those people are also using you know data for sure, but they are also yeah. they also have some biases too. So, I mean, even translating that into a probability will give you your first step into analytics. So you can check that yeah. who is, you know, predicted to score goals with, with a higher percentage. Well, even yeah. checking that is actually checking data, in my opinion. Yeah, and, yeah that's true. Yeah. yeah, and then the first two, yeah, they mentioned that. But, well, the third guy, third in OR, used analytics more heavily, as far as I know. Okay. All right. And... Well, you also need to compare the ratio of people who are playing with analytics to people who are not using analytics or saying that they are eye tests or no data yeah. managers. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it will be a confirmation or maybe survivorship bias to say, oh, well, the winner did it with the eye test, so I should <laughs> do the same. It is, mm. you know, well, I don't think, well, I, I know, like, you know that the luck plays a big role in FPL, but... I want to say that if someone wins the lottery, you wouldn't go ask him for the you know tips and tricks. I'm not saying the FPL is the same. Obviously, there is mm. more to it with the fixtures and the strategies and then the structure. Yeah. But analytics people are, I mean, in my opinion, trying to find a repeatable and better approach in general. But I totally understand that everyone has a way to play it. I mean, you can watch games and try to come up with a player based on that, and maybe it will make you more happy but yeah. from from my perspective i'm trying to make my analytics approach better so if i if my model picks a player because of it and if he if that player goes and scores goals then i will be happy so yeah. i mean at the end right. of the day i mean we have different well objectives well we're all trying to win fpl but i i think uh we are also trying to uh do it on our own way and well if we didn't have this sure. much chance in football after all 
I mean, I know this could have overtaken by now very easily in some other sports, as you know, luck yeah. is less noticeable uh, compared to football. But yeah, we love the variance factor in football because unexpected things happen, right. which makes it fun. No, good point. No, and I, I see what you're saying. And I think, yeah, to most of us, it's still a footballing game, as you also mentioned. Uh, but yeah, but maybe, you know, we're seeing it wrong. <laughs> maybe we should see it more as a strategy game. <laughs> but anyway, I think in the end, it's really about having fun, which is also a very important consideration. Uh, as any serious manager invites, invests quite some time into the game. So, you know, make sure you consider how you can make it most fun for yourself and, you know, just just enjoy it, really. I think that's also really a key point. All right. Well, we covered quite a lot already and we'll cover two more points, which should be helpful as well. And uh, yeah, if time allows, we can also take a few of the Twitter questions. Um, first to start with, let me share again what I could see when I looked through the transfer window. <laughs> and I, after that, let's hear from Sir Top to hear what his solver is giving him as a game week one team at the moment. So yeah, for the transfer section, as you know, we covered that in last epi previous episodes as well. We're keeping track of the most interesting confirmed transfers in and out to potentially identify some of our fantasy targets. Uh, and we will not be going into the transfer rumors because then the section could get a bit long. Um, we'll also only mention the most recent transfers as the older ones we already covered in previous episodes. So yeah, I went through the news again and here are a few that stood out to me in alphabetical order. And as always, we start with Arsenal because the Gunners are so active this summer. Uh, the latest signing is uh, Sinchenko from uh, City. So they bought Sinchenko and uh, after they also bought Jesus from City. So that's two key players. And yeah, an interesting wing back costing 5 million in FPL. And I think it can be a great option. Also, some sources are saying he could be playing out of position in the midfield instead of defense, uh, which, which yeah, again, can make him a really interesting option. So that's Arsenal. Second team on the list is Brentford. And we didn't talk about this team in the transfer section yet. But there are two recent transfers, which I think are worth mentioning, and they're both in defense. Uh, Brentford bought Aaron Hickey, who is a Scottish under-21 uh, fullback. And he came over from the Italian side Bologna for 18 million pounds. Mm -hmm. So he sounds like he's uh, he's a young, talented player we should keep an eye on. And the other one is Ben Mee, who I think we all know very well. He came over from Burnley, 32-year-old centre-back. And yeah, I think with, with me and the team, uh, certainly we can have more confidence in, in the brand for defence. And I think that could also be good news for people considering to take uh, Raya as the goalkeeper because it sounds like the defence is uh, getting some improvement. Mm -hmm. uh, then Chelsea. So after the departure of Rudiger, there were some questions about the strength of their defence. Now they have signed Napoli's uh, Koulibaly. Uh, so I think that's really reassuring. He's, he's a quite well-known name in the game. 31-year-old uh, centre-back from Senegal, and he played over 300 games for Napoli. I had to uh, read that twice to to make sure <laughs> I got it right. Over 300 games, that's quite that's a lot. a lot of games, yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, he's bringing all of that experience to the Premier League. So that sounds like a strong signing. 
And potentially, you know, we are hearing some rumors that they could sign some other defenders on top. Uh, then Man United, so they signed Ericsson. Uh, of course, yeah, we all know Ericsson very well, and he impressed us at Brentford last season. I think at Man United will be interesting to see if we will be a regular starter at at, uh, at, at, at the team over there, because yeah, Eric Ten Hag has plenty of midfield options to consider now. So uh, it will be interesting to see who will be uh, the first picks there. Mm-hmm. Then Nottingham Forest, an interesting signing for them, taking over Jesse Lingard from Man United. I think we remember the great spell he had at West Ham on loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think now people are probably still wondering if he can do that again, especially at a side like Nottingham, who will likely struggle in the Premier League. Uh, so, yeah, let's see. His price is $6 million. Uh, could be someone to keep an eye on, but probably for most people, it's a, it's a wait and see. And then to end the list with Tottenham, uh, the Spurs added two more defenders to the squad with Frenchman Clément Lenglet coming over from Barcelona on loan. And the young wingback, Jet Spence, being bought for $20 million from Middlesbrough. So, yeah, with these players added to the team, I think it's really quite difficult to know who the regular starters will be in Conte's team. But, but once we do know, then, of course, uh, the wingbacks from the Spurs could be really attractive FPL options, sure. as we've seen in last season as well. Mm-hmm. So that sums it up for today. Did anyone stand out to you, Surtop? Not directly players themselves, but based on its effects, Chelsea's transfer is interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder how it will affect their predictions because, if I remember correctly, initial initial plans were hinting at Chelsea defenders or even like the right. goalkeeper, even the man, Mandy. But yeah. they disappeared from optimal team after Rüdiger's departure, as you would expect. Okay. Uh, well, except James, but now right. that they are getting new defender or defenders, uh, I assume their projections will come back to normal and mm. if i remember correctly i have seen good numbers for chilwell as well yeah so i think okay. he will become a solid option too okay and zinchenko might be an interesting pick too because arsenal has a really good op- opening fixtures yeah and i think i have seen already a few people with him in their drafts i think even yeah. you have him too right and yeah, yeah, that, that's that's true. I think yeah. to me it sounds attractive. I wanted to have uh, an Arsenal defender. I think a lot of people are talking about Tomiyasu or White or maybe Tierney. But yeah, I think at five million for for uh, Sinchenko, I think it can be interesting. Of course, he's a new signing, so yeah, maybe there's some doubt whether he will be in the team right away. But yeah, but they paid a lot of money for him, so I think you know they they did that for a reason. So I, mm-hmm. I have I have some I have confidence there. Um, yeah, and talking about Chelsea, we actually received a question about the Chelsea defense from uh, FPL Matrix, and he said that you know Chilwell and James are attractive Chelsea assets, but uh, with several new centre backs reported to come into the team, how can we factor this into our decision making? Um, so that's his question, and I suppose that from your point of view, Surtop, you'll be waiting to see how the expected value of those players will change. If it changes at all? Yeah, true. I'm still waiting for prediction models to report their final values. Review, mm-hmm. for example, FBI review will bring the premium model back soon. In a few okay. days, I think. So I'm hoping to see what it says 
on Chelsea defenders. As discussed in okay. the recent episode with Jan, I might try to ask people about their idea on who will play and then adjust minutes based on it. So yeah. I really don't have an idea on you know how the Chelsea defenders will look like, but it should be enough to give me an idea, like checking the data and asking people who are following Chelsea more closely than I do. But what's your thinking on it? Yeah, I'm also currently staying away. Uh, I, I, I was I didn't have so much confidence in the Chelsea defense. As I mentioned, I remember from last season that they didn't keep so many clean sheets towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I think with Rudiger leaving, yeah, you know, they, they didn't really get better. Uh, they didn't get stronger. But of course, yeah, there are new players coming in. Um, Chilwell could be interesting, but there are some doubts about his fitness. So I'll just I'll just be patient. And I think, yeah, the same for James. James is, of course, a great player, a lot of attacking threat. Um, he might be positioned, though, as a centre-back, uh, depending, again, on, on any of the new signings. So, again, I'll just be a bit more a bit more patient. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now something that I'm sure everyone will find really interesting. And, and going forward, likely also this will be one of the main topics we will be covering in our weekly episodes. Uh, which is yeah the FPL optimized team based on the predicted points. Um, now I guess we don't need to repeat it again, but maybe just to be sure for anyone listening to the podcast for the first time. So Sertal, can you explain again what kind of data you're using and what kind of analytics you're doing to find the optimized team? Sure, here is a summary. So I use analytics main optimization to find best combination mm-hmm. of players that will maximize my total points by the horizon I evaluate. And by Mm -hmm. horizon, I'm looking at either six game weeks or eight game weeks, depending on the data. And for this, I use the prediction data, which takes a lot of other information into account, like how many minutes a player have played uh, Mm -hmm. recently, how many points they have generated in the past, how their performance have changed recently, so yeah. everything about the player, actually, like if they are overachieving their expected goal, for example, all those are yeah. fed into a prediction model, which gives you the pro- predictions for the future game weeks. And mm. so it generates, these kind of models generate a single number per player per week. For example, for Salah, it is 7.6 points in game week one. So it is the average of a lot of different outcomes. So there is like a certain chance, certain probability of him blanking. And there's a certain chance of him scoring one goal, two goals, one assist. So you summarize them with the probability and it gives you that single number. Right. And for De Bruyne, for example, it it is 5.1. So I use these values from FBR review uh, for those who are new. It is fbrreview.com. And and also maintainers is also very active in Twitter if they have questions about the model. And so there are also other prediction models too. Uh, okay. There are more people generating these kind of data nowadays. Right. After I get the projections, so my model actually starts after I get the projections. So I define rules to my machine right. saying that, yeah, like we, ma- we have mentioned, pick three players, at most three players from Liverpool or from every single team stay within 100 million budget and here are the feasible formation rules like you need to have at least three defenders two midfielders one forward and then so the machine finds the optimal plan that will maximize whichever target i'm trying to achieve in this case 
I besides these points, I also give some weight to my bench because yeah. auto sub rules might may, might apply, and also possibility that you might need to rotate some players in the future. Mm. So uh, sorry if it, this was a little bit technical, but anything you want to ask so far? Uh, no, I mean you know this is the eleventh episode, so it <laughs> took me ten episodes to uh, to understand it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But again, for anyone uh, listening to us for the first time and you're wondering what we're talking about with data and analytics and solvers and things like that, so I think it was just good to get that explained again. Um, and yeah, bef- and we also talked before about the difficulty of of estimating this, right? So I mean, even mm-hmm. for a player like Salah, who we know really well. Uh, it, it, there's already a lot of things we need to 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 estimate or to to assumptions we need to make, uh, and of course for new players it's even more difficult. And we received a question on that via Twitter from uh, Vixuna or at FP. and he was asking how the Man United players are being evaluated now, specifically someone like Rashford or Marshall. Uh, if, if for example, Ronaldo won't come back, you know, it, it changes the team. And I guess also to consider that there is a new manager on board. And um, I, I guess that for such situations and for such teams, the prediction model could be maybe a bit less reliable than for teams where not so much is changing. Is, is, is that correct? Yes, so we have talked about it a little bit. But I also yeah. have read a tweet from FPR Review saying that well, uh, their model is quite well in terms of predicting player outputs in new positions and new systems or you know okay. new teams. Uh, I think they use which other players were on the pitch for you know what performance a player has uh, performed. Uh, so for their predictions, which would certainly affect a lot of numbers, so it is yeah. certainly less reliable. That's true. Because it's beginning of the season, we are not 100% sure. Even like we talked about watching friendlies and trying to understand, you know, which players will play and everything. Mm-hmm. But from that tweet, I got the feeling that it is not as wildly inaccurate as one would expect. Right. And okay. I wish I had some time to test this with the last year numbers, but <laughs> I feel like I barely have <laughs> enough time to tinker about my own team before the season starts. Yeah. Um, Short answer, yes. It is less reliable than regular game weeks, but I mean, keep an eye on the predictions. They might have some great insight, even though it's not definite. Yeah. Okay, but you know, that gives us some confidence that also, let's say, for the new teams or let's say for new players, uh, mm-hmm. the data is reliable. Um, there was one other question we received about the data and the analytics side of things. It came on again on Twitter from FPL Primate. And he says, can you please explain DK as it's used as factor in predictive models? Uh, is mm-hmm. something you want to say about that maybe? Sure. So we use DK. So there are actually two DKs. I will talk about the predictive model DK first. So okay. you might have noticed that if you are checking FBI review or other prediction models, sometimes expected minutes of a nailed player goes down. So for example, for even for players like Ellison, let's say, so expected minute is 90 this game week and then 89 next game week and then 88 the, the week after because okay. there's a risk or there's a chance that he might get injured or he might uh, be unavailable for some reason. So right. so we so even though the those minutes are dropping down, 
other players yeah. are might have a boost. For example, I was talking with Review again. So sometimes Robertson minutes goes down, but at the same mm-hmm. time, Tissimikas's expected minutes go up because there's right. a chance that he will play instead. So, yeah. but the way we use it, I think when we are optimizing, we mentioned DK a lot. So when FBR Review gives the values for, let's say, for eight game weeks, you put those numbers into your solver and then run it to get the optimal solution. However, there is a chance that Reveal will update these predictions once the deadline passes after the games yeah. are played, game week one uh, games. And so there is a possibility of injury, new rotation, I mean, all kind of sort of things. Maybe a player yeah. is playing in a different position than we expected. So future predictions are less reliable. So those numbers sure. will certainly change. So if you optimize values as is without not applying any DK or anything, so mm-hmm. it might try to get you an extra 0.1 points in future, maybe in game week 8. So it might force you to pick a player which is suboptimal for this game week. For example, you're thinking about Mahrez, mm-hmm. for example, but it says, yeah. oh, don't buy Mahrez because in game week 8, his expected points is not that good. But we don't really trust that number, not yet at least. Yeah, right. So to... To overcome this problem, we multiply first game week values with one, so they mm. say the same. For next yeah. game week, we multiply it with, say, 0.85, so we are reducing them 15% due to okay. reasons I have mentioned. So you do the same thing with game week three. This time you are applying 0.85 and then 0.85 again, so you yeah. decrease them twice. So this way, the plan you will generate will favor closer game weeks to the far game weeks. That's how we use DK in optimization. Okay. Well, that's great. We didn't cover that before, so that's mm-hmm. good to know. Thanks for mm-hmm. that. Thanks also for the question. All right. So with that covered and with that understanding, here's a drum roll. <laughs> Let's reveal <laughs> how your optimized team is looking like. Okay. Here we go. Based on the description I talked about, and you can apply different rules, by the way. You can find mm-hmm. optimal transfers, or if you want to play safe, for example, you can come up with a squad based on that too. Mm-hmm. But with current values, which changes every day again, and my default parameters, the optimal for eight game week, no future transfers planned, is composed of these players. So you have Ederson in the goal, a yeah. premium goalkeeper, <laughs> we talked about it. Right. And in defense, we have James, Alexander-Arnold, mm-hmm. Cancelo, Diaz, and Perisic. But I know mm-hmm. that his minutes are a bit doubtful. Um, Martinelli, okay. Salah, Luis Diaz, and Neto in midfield. And yeah. Kane as the single forward. And in the bench, only playing bench player is Gray from Everton, but uh, I'm not sure if I want Everton players to. I have pretty bad memories from last season, for the most part. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. Thanks a lot. Uh, so that that's that's a five-four-one formation, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, maybe something we can cover in the next episode uh, in terms of the formations, because I think what I see from most drafts is that people go for two or three uh, attackers. Uh, and in this case, it's just one, it's just Kane. I was actually leaning towards that as well uh, without having talked <laughs> to you before. 
at the moment, I also in my draft, I have just Kane. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to see that it's also proposed by by your solver. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think all the FPL managers will appreciate that to understand what the data is telling us. If you want to see more about it, you can always go to fploptimize.com where Surtalb is sharing all this kind of information. Um, so so yeah, Surtalb, does it mean that the team you'll be starting with is this one? Is, is it already fixed? Or do you think uh, the data or your analysis could still change during the next 11 days? Yeah, it will or, certainly or change. Days. Yeah, it will certainly change, and it's certainly not the team I will have, just to okay. <laughs> clarify. But this is how I start. I optimize it, and then I find this, you know, data optimal. That's how I call it, data optimal team, which, right. well, might not be the actual optimal team. So then I usually hmm. list up, I don't know, like 20 different combinations and ask people with better, you know, minutes prediction about their ideas. Jan is one of them, as I have invited to the pod. Right. and see which of those 20 combinations he favors and I will try to understand why that's the case. For example, whenever I share this team or something similar, I get comments about like Perisic, like whether his yeah. minutes will be consistent or not. And if I think along the same lines, I go update the minutes, probably drop his minutes in this case, for example, and solve again, see if right. it replaces anything. For example, if if it is going to give me four defender formation, or maybe pick a fifth defender and yeah, playing a different defender. one. Yeah. yeah. So after a few iterations, I usually convert somewhere, and I will also need to decide if I want to get a high risk, high reward player, as we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit. I mean, I'm reluctant to do it, but yeah. I might do it just you know for the for the fun. So. Yeah. So I think yeah, I will converge to a team that's optimal in my opinion. So it could be suboptimal by the prediction data as is, but as you see, there are little nuances in the prediction data for minutes. Mm-hmm. And also any parameter changes in optimization can give you a very different team too. Yeah. yeah. I will talk about my updated team in the next episode too. Hopefully we will have a better prediction value by then. Okay, yeah. yeah I'm looking forward to that. And actually, for me, I think I managed to get to a final team already. <laughs> Unless, of course, someone gets injured or someone scores a goal from a friendly match. Or maybe, you know, a new player gets signed. <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of things can still happen. Let's, let's see. So, yeah, we covered a lot of again. again. Um, we, we mentioned that we want to have 30 to 40 minute podcast. Maybe you are going over it. So mm-hmm. we'll have to do our best next time to, to get back to the shorter format. I was away for two weeks. Maybe that explains it. I had a lot of questions to ask you and uh, mm-hmm. thanks Surtop, for answering those. It was definitely good to be back and to be talking to you again. So yeah, everyone, all the FPL, FPL managers, you have around uh, 10 days left to fix your teams. Uh, we hope that after listening to this episode, you have a clearer picture or at least you have received some new ideas uh, to think about. So thanks again for listening. Uh, any questions or comments or any reviews are always welcome. You can subscribe to our podcast so you'll get notified when the next episode comes out. Or you can follow us on Twitter for Surtop, that's uh, at Surtop Bilal. And for me, it's at Belfi BB. That's it for today. Good luck with your game week one tinkering and talk to you again next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye.